episode 87, Alexandra Antra, president and co-founder of Shuffler. My favorite mistake or my biggest mistake or my hardest mistake, I think they're all intertwined. (laughs) I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links to Alexander's profile and company and a whole lot more, go to markgraben.com slash mistake87. Please follow, rate, and review. If you like the episode, please share it with a friend or a colleague on social media. As always, thanks for listening, and now here's our episode. Again, our guest today is Alexandra Antra. She is a president and co-founder of a company called Shuffler. Um, Alexandra's blazing a trail in the emerging new discipline of presentation management. So we'll have a chance to talk about that today. I do a lot of presentations and there are challenges that um, I I can think of and it'll be good to hear about what um, larger companies are, um, are, are doing, what problems they're solving with this technology. Um, Shuffler visualizes your company's content so you can find, see, and read through and, and get that one great slide or file when you need it. So that's, a, I think, an interesting challenge and reason for being. But Alexandra, first off, thank you for being here as a guest. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Nice to be here, Mark. So we'll have a chance to talk about uh, presentations and, and the company, but we like to dive right in, as I, I know you've heard <laughs> from listening to some other episodes. Thinking back, Alexandra, what would you say is your favorite mistake? My favorite mistake or my biggest mistake or my hardest mistake. I think they're all intertwined. Um, I would have to say it was borrowing money from my mother to start and fund a technology company. Oh, wow. Tell us us about that. Why? What happened? um, Why, why, Why did you think that was, why did it turn out to be a mistake? It turned out to be a mistake. Initially, it was a mistake because we did this in about, you know, we, we've been in my, I should just allow my brother uh, is my co-founding partner and business partner. Um, and, you know, when we started back in 2002 doing presentation technology, we had a consulting business, uh, software and services, uh, doing high-end presentation technology. And we also designed, wrote uh, animated the presentations. It was, you know, soup to nuts, full service. Um, and, you know, like any new business starting out, we needed funds. And so we took a loan from our mother and things were going swimmingly and we paid her interest monthly. Uh, so it worked well for her because she was retired. So this way she had a nice monthly income. Um, everybody was happy. And then you know, the Great Recession hit, the market crashed, and and we just had red ink everywhere. And, uh, you know, clients were leaving. I was paying to go to work. I had no money to pay her back. Um, and it weighed really heavily on me. And but I couldn't I couldn't leave. I couldn't just quit because it was my mother's money. You know, I, I didn't want to be the kid that squandered her mother's money. 
And, you know, especially, you know, with tech companies, Silicon Valley, it's try really hard. And if you fail, okay, you can start another company. And having a bunch of startups tends to be a badge of honor. Um, unfortunately for me, that wasn't a badge I could wear. I just, I couldn't do it. And, and, and at one point she even said, you know, Alex, if, if this is too hard, we'll work something out, you know, go get a job, go do something else and, and, and we'll figure it out. So she, she gave me, you know, the, the okay, you know, she released me essentially, but I, I just thought to myself, the, the best way to pay her back is to keep building this company. So we stuck with it. And, you know, here we are another 10 years later, 20 years later, doing the same thing. And we have Shuffler and it's thriving. And it's 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 actually it's really exciting. It's probably for me after doing this for 20 years of one of the most exciting periods of our uh, of our of our journey. Wow. Um, so when you were looking at starting the company originally, I mm -hmm. mean, did, did you pursue some of the you know, traditional ways of getting funded. Um, it sounds like you had a single angel investor in your, in your mom. <laughs> we, I mean, what else did know, you consider at the time? We did, we, you know, we pitched like angel, you know, we went to those pitching events and, and we talked to various VC and angel investors. And, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, they, they have a formula which works for them. And it's usually invest in 10 companies one or two will knock it out of the park and the other ones, well, we can shut down because we've made our money back and we've given our investors a return. So that, that works for him. Um, for those other eight companies, if, if you're the founder who's put your blood, sweat and tears into it, you're, you're, you're left with nothing um, and you have to start over. And starting over is never a bad thing. It gives you endless possibility. Um, but we took the the other approach and and also what kept us going was that, you know, even though we didn't have that hockey stick uh, traject trajectory that investors look for, we, we had steady growth. You know, some days when it was really hard, I was like, oh, you know, we're we're running at a loss, we're losing money. And then and then we would get ESPN as a customer or we would get Scripps Networks as a customer. And I would think to myself, okay, that'll get us through. But if these companies want to use our product, if they want to use Shuffler, if they want to use PPT Share, that was the precursor to Shuffler, then, then we're doing something right. So it just, you know, we ended up building the company old school, one, one client at a time. And we constantly tweaked our service based on, on their feedback and their input and, and then telling us what, what they needed. So we ended up with a much stronger product. We have more equity in our business. Um, and, you know, we're kind of leading the category of presentation management. One client at a time over a very long time. <laughs> Steady growth. Steady. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, the companies with these, you know, these hyper growth billion dollar valuations mm -hmm. are called unicorns for a reason. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're rare. Mm -hmm. And not everybody can be a unicorn, even if I don't right. know what percentage of startup founders think they're going to be. It's that rude I awakening, right? I, I think they're going to be and zero 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 one percent become that. I, I don't know what the the uh, the percentage is, but it's pretty low. Um, 
So the company not only survived, it's thriving. You're still talking to mom. <laughs> well, it's, well, she passed away, but still. Oh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Well, um, no, no, that's okay. You, She's she, still you were, you it's were. All good. I'm sorry. Um, oh no, it's okay. It's it's all good. You were on good terms with her. You you oh, got yeah, past absolutely. those yeah. challenges. She's a big inspiration and a, a big yeah. uh, source of source of support in my in my world. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, it makes me wonder. You know, when you think of that kind of Silicon Valley model of, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the past failures being a badge of honor. And I've heard right. some people say, I don't know how common this is. Well, you know, I don't want to invest in someone who hasn't failed before. I want, you know, they, mm-hmm. they learned lessons with someone else's money and these different things. Yeah. I have, a, I have a big problem with that. <laughs> I think it's disrespectful to squander other people's money. Yeah. It's hard to earn a dollar. You got to respect it. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me wonder, I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on this. And maybe there's no single model, but it makes me wonder if that, you know, sort of, you know, give up, wash your hands of it, move on to the next thing mm-hmm. model, if that's too extreme. Do people give up too early? There's maybe the other extreme where people stick with something too long. I guess that's that's a judgment call. It's, it is a judgment call and, and everybody's different. Every business is different. You know, it, it is hard because if you're, if you have a business that's just dragging you down and it's not succeeding, then there's a that's a very good reason to shut it down and go do something else and free yourself and, and use your resources on something that's going to be more productive. That I wouldn't argue with that. Um, for us, it just we always had enough interest from clients to reaffirm, you know, our business model, our product, what we were trying to do. So. I just figured, you know, it's going to be easier to keep doing this and pay her back uh, and, you know, meet my commitments, my obligations, than it will be to go quit and then just get a job in another company on somebody else's schedule, on somebody else's terms. You know, you, you do get some autonomy when you have your own company, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And to do the the debt instead of giving equity to others mm-hmm. makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's one element of what happened that wasn't a mistake, perhaps. Right. Right. Because we did. We kept it. I mean, here we are 20 years later, um, you know, and, and I own 45 percent. My co-founding partner owns 45 percent. So we still own this big piece of the business. Now, I mean, there, there's other rules of thumb or things that you hear, um, you know, don't borrow money from friends or family or don't go into business yeah. with friends <laughs> that, that worked too. out has, I mean, I've, I've had a guest before who talked about challenges of being um, starting or being business partners with a spouse. I, I've never mm-hmm. talked to anyone about the sibling dynamic. How, how has yeah. that worked out? Well, dynamic. There's a loaded word um, it, for <laughs> us. Uh, it's worked out pretty well because James and I have very different skills so he stays in his lane. I stay in mine. I, he's got, you know, he's very good at software design and the overall strategy and, and the vision, the long-term vision for the growth of the company. And he's good at financials. I am better at operations and sales and client service. So we, we just stay in our own lane. We complement each other. Now, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, or, you know, I think there's a chance for you to elaborate on the story. 
you know, it sounds like you were doing consulting related to speaking and presentations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you saw an opportunity that turned into a technology yeah. company. And that, that's a different pathway than mm-hmm. some entrepreneurs who say, well, I want to start a company and I don't know what. And they go research right. different things and then they decide, OK, well, here's my thing. It sounds like you ended up in a lane that was more of, of a passion and a yeah. you know, thing that you were more willing to stay committed to funding aside. Is that fair to say? Well, it, it's funny um, because it brings us to our next biggest mistake. Um, and it is how and why we started Shuffler is when we were doing this consulting company, uh, ABC Stations was one of our, our first and, you know, obviously blue chip, blue chip client. We wanted to impress them and, and serve them and keep their business. And um, we're at a meeting one day. And one of the sales guys comes in and he just throws a a DVD down on the, on the conference table. And he said, my grandmother made a better presentation for our family reunion than the sales team has. And, and James and I were just sitting there like, Oh my God, we are so screwed. And at, at that point we just, we stopped doing consulting we stopped doing design and and writing and, and all those good things. And we just focused 100% on the technology and decided instead of doing a, a proprietary presentation software system um, that we had to keep building every day, we would offer the same benefits, but use the products that were already out there that people were already using. And that was, you know, PowerPoint video at that point there was youtube and video so video became democratized uh excel word pdf images everybody at that point was already familiar with building those files or using those files or they all had systems that could support those files so we were like let's let's make a system work for that and you know here it is 2010 2011 we're like let's put it in the cloud mm-hmm. and so that was a pivot point it hurt though to hear that salesperson go, my grandmother made a better presentation than we have. And that was my job was to make their presentations. I was like, Oh man. So they want, so I want to make sure I understand from the story, they were criticizing and sort of blaming, not saying, Hey, we just hired you to help with this. They were saying basically they were unhappy with your work. Is that, is that right? I think they were just saying they want something better and easier. It's kind of like, if my grandmother can do this, then so can we. It, it wasn't like, you guys suck, although I guess you could read b- between the lines. Um, but, it, it, you know, they were realizing that there was a, another opportunity. And therefore, we realized that there was another opportunity. And if we didn't seize it, well, I wouldn't be here today. And I wouldn't have paid my mother back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all related. Right. Everything's related. Yeah. One step always leads well, to the next. All of you are related. <laughs> not, every, not everybody involved in Shuffler. You, you could argue that's another mistake, but yeah. <laughs> well, it it's it's still. I mean, it's working. I mean, they're yeah, they're, it is working. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you know maybe we can delve into and I and mm-hmm. I again I have you know like very personal interest in this as somebody who does a lot of speaking, right? And I work a lot of times in a solopreneur model, but then I can also think of times mm-hmm. when I've worked as part of corporate teams. So mm-hmm. there's my own computer and my own drives and my own presentations. And I'm, right. I'm just going to throw 
you know, this scenario at you and you can say, well, no, we don't deal with that. Or, you know, here's what other people do. You know, I, I, I have multiple presentations and, I, and it's not mm-hmm. just a s- small number of um, very consistent decks. I'm taking slides from here and there. And right. even if it's a custom talk, sometimes I make updates and I end up with this, this proliferation of the same slide across different presentations. And nowadays I think, well, storage space is cheap. That's not a huge problem. But then sometimes it's the variation or the version mm-hmm. of the slide where I make a mistake of like, oh, I'm now presenting the version of that slide that's not the updated one that I wished was in the deck. Right. Is that is that something that did you deal with that as a consultant or is that also we, part of we what Shuffler dealt with that addresses? from the very beginning? Um, and today we we simplified it to just have simple slide updating. So when you have that that one version of that slide, you have that master version. When you overwrite it in Shuffler, it will push out to all of those variations and all of those different presentations. So if you misspelled the the name Alexandra, as most people do, uh, right. you would be able to fix it in, in one step instead of searching for the 20 different presentations where that name existed. And that's actually one of our, our biggest features is that slide updating. Back out into the PowerPoint files. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Do everybody's PowerPoint. It wouldn't be just yours in a company. Uh, if you have a hundred sales reps, a thousand sales reps, they've all used that slide 10, 20 times, all of those versions would get updated. Okay. Cause, cause that seems like an even more powerful use case in terms of mm-hmm. the quality of the work that's being delivered, yep. cost savings, time savings. I mean, yep. I, I could see where that would be compelling. Right. Well, it gives consistency of brand. It gives consistency of message. If you're a marketing director and, you know, in the corporate home office, emphasis on the word home now, because that's where we're all working from. Um, and everybody's all over the place. You can, you can ensure that that update, that the, the new pricing information, the new product information, the legal disclosures, which in, you know, banking and pharmacy, pharmaceuticals is so critical, all get pushed out and they get used. So you, you have that brand and message compliance. And I, may, I can imagine, yeah, some of those presentation mistakes could be very costly on if mm-hmm. you're out of compliance or if yeah. uh, a salesperson showed a lower price to a customer and now they're holding mm-hmm. you to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can see where those mistakes. Um, so it's not, you're, you're trying to help companies prevent mistakes exactly. that might be driven by this proliferation or variation or lack of update with their slides. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and, and this is a form, this is a, a specific form, like a very specialized form of what some would call a content management system. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you could, you could call it content management for presentations. We just call it presentation management. And, and is there, oh, the, the, has this become a category of content management? Yeah. System. Yeah. It, it, it overlaps. It overlaps. It works with your CRM. It works with your sales enablement. It works with your content library. Um, the difference is that all the files that are in the system are already formatted as a slide, searchable, visual, and ready to present. So when you have a 300 slide PowerPoint, you can, you can search and, and zoom into, you know, slide two or slide 85 
and then you can drag and drop it into your tray and use it in a new presentation. Same with PDF, video, Word, Excel. Every file, when you click on it, is formatted as a slide, so you can use it immediately. You can present directly from Shuffler. You could send it as a link to a customer, or you can drag and drop it and repurpose it into your own custom presentation. So it's like content ready to go, productive content. You, you've, you've jogged my memory. I don't know if you ever had the chance to see uh, the late Stephen Covey from Seven Habits fame. Did you ever have a chance to see him give a presentation? Oh, the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People? Yeah. Yes. I'm not super familiar, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're referring to. So I saw him give a talk. And it was at uh, at a conference, and it was it was mm-hmm. dubbed a quote unquote fireside chat, but it could have just as well been a keynote talk. We just you know, right, right. But maybe because it was a little bit more of this fireside chat, if I remember right, he was taking questions mm-hmm. from people, and so he had a lot of PowerPoint, right? And he had an assistant in the back of the room, and and Stephen Dr. Covey would call out, you know, he'd be talking, and he'd say, "Bring up number thirty seven. And boom, the slide would magically appear behind him. And he knew and, the slide uh, I, 37? Yep. Or he would, he would sometimes <laughs> refer to them by number. Mm-hmm. He would sometimes refer to them as the such and such slide. And yep. I've never seen anyone do that. And so at the end, I had a chance to go back and talk to um, the assistant who was working for him. And there was this huge laminated sheet of paper. Like if you've ever seen a um, football coach when they have the big, lam- the big giant laminated play card that yeah, they hold up yeah. in front of them. Well, this was yeah. like six sheets of paper that we wow. all laminated together. And, and, and I asked him about this and he said, yeah, that, that, that was his master list of all the slides. And he mm-hmm. said, sometimes Dr. Covey would call a certain slide number 37. And sometimes he uh-huh. would call it the purple slide. I'm just making that up. Mm-hmm. And so he had all this cross-referencing. <laughs> and I think that was a very specialized skill where you couldn't just throw me in there and try to keep up right. with Dr. Covey. But in a way, I mean, like that was maybe a very customized and or manual way of addressing the situation mm-hmm. in a way that Shuffler that, tries to address. Um, it's the presentation follows the conversation. Um, That's what he was doing. Being able to pull yeah. up a slide. On a, on a whim, based on based on what somebody else is saying, based on what somebody's asking you, and in Shuffler, because we have visual search, um, and because you can present directly from Shuffler, we could easily in the library um, somebody could type in Mark Rabin and pull up you know the slide that has your bio, or um, you know more more uh, a more business use case there is uh, adcoms when they do their FDA approvals, which are getting a lot of publicity right now with the COVID uh, drugs, you know, rushing through approvals. Usually pharmaceutical companies have like thousands and thousands and thousands of slides and white papers and clinical studies and video testimonials from, you know, people who were in the test group and and all of this data, and you know, they go and they sit in front of this FDA commission of ten people, and they they give a twenty minute presentation. So there's your linear presentation, and then they um, and then you know, there's two days of of just hot seat Q and A, and so you know, the doctors and the the experts are in the front of the room, and then they just you know, when when a, when somebody asks them a question. 
they type it in and they can pull up the slide. So they can pull up that data to the detail. And it's, and, and I think it's a more effective way to present because nobody wants to be on the receiving end of a slideshow. It's like, it, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's slide after slide and people are talking and they're talking at you and you're looking at charts and, and bullet points and, and it, it's very like active and passive and, the the more interactive i think is is more engaging especially in sales because you always you you're going to have a better sale you're going to have a better meeting if you're if you're when your customer is talking and your customer can't talk when you're talking because that's impolite and so if you're talking at them and you're just reading slides and you're relying on these slides then you're not really engaging yeah i mean we can think of mistakes speakers make and I can think of, I'd like to think these are mistakes that I used to make and I've gotten past it. But, you know, when you see people reading their slides, you're like, oh, that's disappointing. Mm -hmm. Because you could have just sent those slides out to us and we could have just read them out by the pool back in the day when we were at conferences at places that had pools. Um, Or or is my, my, um, my favorite pet peeve is when somebody says, I know this slide is an eye chart, but, and then they, like, they acknowledge, like they know it's a terrible slide, but they're using it anyway. That bothers yeah, me. Yeah, like why? Yeah. <laughs> and then boom, they blow past it. I'm like, why'd you put that? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they share that with people after the fact, but so it goes with um, presentation Mistakes. Um, any, anything else that comes to mind, you know, just um, back well, to your days of to, consulting and helping speakers that we should have. Well, avoid. I was just going to say to your point, um, when you said that slide is an eyesore, that we've become so reliant on those slides. And, you know, one of the biggest mistakes people, I think, make presenting because because it's comfortable and because it's easy is you do rely on the slide. You start to read the slide. You follow your slides. Um, you know, originally PowerPoint was built as an outline. It was just support supposed to hit those key points. It's supposed to reinforce the speaker. You know, it's supposed to support the speaker, not the other way around. And and I think, especially in corporate America, I think we forget that. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes people make. It's like you are the hero of your presentation, not your slides. Yeah. And and I think slides often are really effective when it's images or things that are supporting. Mm -hmm. Like if you watch on the news, that that image and that box that appears over the anchor person's shoulder is complementary to what Mm -hmm. they're saying. Mm -hmm. And and I think, at least to me, I think good PowerPoint is um, complementary, like you said, complementary to the speaker, not the other way around. Absolutely. So um, our guest today, uh, again, has been Alexandra, Alexandra Entra. You brought up the spelling, so I'm, I'm going to ask. And I'm going to copy and paste into the show notes in the title so I don't misspell it. It's Alexandra with a capital A in the middle and two N's. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people, like you said, people. Because my mother's name was Anne. And she had to put it into my name. And you're constantly having to correct people. Yeah, but I just go by Alex. It's okay. <laughs> I don't mind. 
And I was looking at the spelling and then it became more difficult to say than it should have been. But I make mistakes like that all the time. So, <laughs> Your favorite uh, mistake? Mispronouncing my mo- names? My most recent mistake. <laughs> like you okay. said, there are favorite, there are recent mistakes. There are favorite mistakes. There are biggest mistakes. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. sometimes there's overlap. But right. thank you for sharing um, a favorite mistake story that... Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, at least it didn't turn out to be something you couldn't recover from. So thank you, Alex, for sharing <laughs> the story of struggling thank through you. that. And um, I'm glad things are going better for you and Shuffler. So uh, again, Alex Antra, um, president and co-founder of Shuffler. Um, I'll put a link to the company in the show notes. It's the tech company name spelling of S-H-U-F-F-L-R-R.com. And I hope you'll go and, um, and check that out. So Alex, thank you so much for being a guest. Really appreciate you being here today. Oh, it was a pleasure, Mark. Thank you. Thanks again to Alexandra for being a great guest today to learn more about Shuffler and everything that she and her company does. You can find links at markgraben.com slash mistake87. And thanks to you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. We'll see you next time. It would be a mistake if I didn't ask you to follow, rate, and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts or your favorite app wherever you're listening to this now. Thanks. Thanks.